Welcome to the Counter Vultures Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Zalewski. This is Friday, so it is our Real Estate Players Profile. Now, we have a little bit of a detour for this particular week. Why is that? Well, we're going to be talking about real estate, but more so we're going to be talking about cryptocurrency and more importantly, blockchain. Blockchain seems to be the uh, hottest subject right now up there with ultra-luxury condos, which they can't keep on the shelves if you listen to the press reports. So I figured I would reach out to somebody who I have a lot of respect for and figure out what the hell blockchain is, figure out what cryptocurrencies are, and figure out, uh, you know, is it a scam or is it real? So I'm reaching out to a gentleman who is a tech guy. He worked at IBM here in the United States, and right now he has his own uh, consultant company, consultancy as well as educational company. It's called Blockchain Services. He's the founder. He's a lead consultant. They're based in Newcastle, England. And every time I say Britain, he says, no, it's England and the United Kingdom. Who is that? That's John Dennis. What's going on, Mr. Dennis? Hello, Peter. Hey, always great to talk to you. Likewise, likewise. So, um, so John, I want to talk about blockchain, which is what you are basically um, helping business um, uh, professionals understand and how they can actually incorporate it into, into their businesses. I also want to talk about crypto. What is it? How does it, you know, uh, yeah. put it in layman's terms. And then I yeah, obviously I want to talk about Bitcoin, crypto, um, any and all of that type of stuff. But I also want to talk about some of the time you spent here in Miami. So people listening to podcasts know that you're legit and you got street cred. So does <laughs> that sound cool for you? That's cool. Yeah, great. Uh, Okay, so anybody listening to this podcast for the first time or those who've listened to podcasts before, you should know our rules of engagement. Rule of engagement number one is that we look for straight talk and salty language, i.e. cursing is permissible. John, I know you, so, uh, you know, feel free to drop an F-bomb if need be, because I probably will. (laughs) (laughs) Very (laughs) funny. And then the other part is um, we'll do three 20-minute segments. First 20 minutes, John, is going to be about you, how you got to um, the United States with, uh, with IBM and technology and ultimately Miami. Then we'll, uh, a second 20 minutes, we're going to talk about your firm, which is blockchain services, what kind of services you're actually offering to anybody who might be interested in, um, you know, getting a straight uh, forward approach to understanding what it is. And then finally, uh, in the last 20 minutes, I'm going to ask you to sort of talk about kind of where blockchain and crypto and all of this stuff sort of goes from here. So how does that sound? That sounds great, Peter. Fantastic. Now, now, now John, everybody talks about technology, technology, technology. I'm not exactly sure what technology is. I know how to use a computer. I know how to use a phone. Does that mean I'm in technology or as technology mean coding? Could you just, as somebody who's worked in the technology business, uh, if you could tell us a little bit about what you did in the industry and then what really is technology? Because I think there's a lot of confusion because nobody really knows what it is, at least those who are in the sector. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, first question, Peter. Um, you know, I would take technology all the way back to the Industrial Revolution when uh, people started using uh, me- mechanization to help humans to do more with their, their muscles. And, um, and then it, of course, spread once it, we had electricity um, into things like, uh, like lighting and uh, electrical devices, simple electrical devices. Uh, there's, there's the pneumatics is, is technology. Um, for you know lifting heavier weights than you could without pneumatics um the whole engine internal combustion engine is is technology from uh you know the in the henry ford uh production line uh, assembly line so um you know there's been advances in technology uh for hundreds of years i mean you can go away you know go before that but in recent years uh technology has been dominated by electronic uh, advancements and uh, of course the 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 transistor was was a, a a massive jump a massive leap 
when uh, integrated circuits could be could could be built on a on a pinhead and um, and logic could be developed um, at, at, a, at a, an incredible uh, resolution, so that um, you know we could have our our electronic devices, the electronic consumer revolution, with um, uh, you know the the Walkmans that we we used to have, the the the, the uh, tape decks, the car radios, the um, the household, you know, electronics like refrigerators and washing, washing dishwashers and washing machines. This is yep. all technology, you know. Yep. yep. Um, and and uh, and it's really only in recent years, really, you know, since uh, the the late '80s and, and early '90s that, with the the advance of uh, the the internet, that and and mobile phones, really, where I probably got my first. Uh, mobile phone about 1998 something like that i mean whoa what kind of phone was it uh it was a motorola i believe motorola was one of the flips then. yeah it was a it was a, a flip phone but sort of chunky yeah yeah <laughs> but nice. it was cool i mean it was cool cool to have a, a a mobile phone in those days it was uh you know bought by the company um i didn't have I mean, before that if you remember you had the car phones that needed, you know, to be connected to the car, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> they needed such a big, like, battery and everything. But, but, um, well, I want to stop you there. I want to start. You remember the car phones when people, um, it was expensive because you had to have it installed in the car and there'd be an antenna on the outside. Remember Absolutely. all the people who couldn't afford a car phone, but they would buy the fake uh, uh, antenna and attach it to their car <laughs> so it looked like they had some, you know, uh, that they, they were up to speed with latest technology? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know whether you remember when I was in Miami, I, I had an Audi A6. That's right. The, the, yep. the white Audi A6. And it had, and it was, it was an older model. I loved it. It had great lines. It was a 1996 A6. It was one of the early A6s. And it, in the glove compartment, what was cool about it was it had the original car phone in the, in the central, um, not the glove compartment, in the central console. Nice. With the, and it was like, so, so, clever. you know, you couldn't, it didn't work because it used to use different technology then, the cellular type technology. So anyway, uh, they didn't use SIM cards in those days. But um, yeah, there's just been such advancement since then um, in, in everything. And now, you know, my, my daughter, she's 10 years old now, and um, her whole world is, is about using, you know, electronic products through the internet. So the phone, the iPad, she has the iPad, she has the laptop, she's playing, get, you know, so that's, that's technology. That's how, that's what kids think of as technology today. Have you got your technology? They'll even use that as a, as a, you know, catch all for all type of uh, video games and things. But, um, you know, it goes back to the humble plow, I think. Wow. 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 You know, John, it's funny. You mentioned your, your daughter's 10 years old. Um, I heard a consultant say that the iPhone came out in 2009, somewhere in and about there. Yeah, and they said yeah. the first decade after it came out, it was all about getting technology, i.e. a smartphone, into people's hands. Yeah. And the next decade was going to be about really maximizing it in terms mm -hmm. of all these different services, whether it's Airbnb or it's mm -hmm. Uber or it's anything else. Or maybe it's even blockchain and it's cryptocurrency <laughs> and things yeah. like that. Is, is that an accurate assessment and just in terms of? How things are probably flowing, at least on, on my part, and what that person was saying when I heard it. That the idea was, let's just get it out there, and then we'll work out like how we're going to use it. Is that what you were saying there? Yeah, yeah. Well, you kind of have to have the hardware 
before yep. you could really yep. take it to the next level and really start to roll up the sleeves oh. and get oh, interesting. Because yeah. because initially, you know, oh, yeah. uh, the world didn't have it. Now the world has it. Now there's this pent up demand uh, that maybe people didn't even know existed for these types yeah. of services. Yeah, um, there is something to be said for for getting technology in people's hands and letting them um, work out how they're going to use it. You know, the, the early PCs uh, didn't go down too well because people said, what the hell we're going to do with this? You know, <laughs> <laughs> right. And right. they were having a, a hard time trying to explain to people how this was going to be, you know, the way they communicated, the way they did their, 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 their graphics and their, their invoices and, you know, what what we wouldn't uh i mean every realtor that's listening right now will will know you know you can't live without your laptop and your phone so um yeah but i mean it, it rolls into the idea of blockchain very well peter because um uh, people have, have been saying the same thing about blockchain technology for a while now um oh that's interesting but what we're going to use it for why do we need it yep and um some of it is is yet to be discovered in fact i mean um people are experimenting with it they're they're the startup companies all over the place with different use cases for um using the technology and this is not about just um coins that are um electronic money these are other use cases that might be um verifying passport identity or um medical information or um uh how much how much food is being handed out in a refugee camp you know it like it, it, it goes across the gamut yeah wow yeah. wow wow um john i want to talk about blockchain a little bit more in segment two if yeah. you will sure, um sure. i want to i want to get people to sort of get a get a sense of who you are so so you you where, where were you born um and yeah. and and how yeah. did you how and why did you come to the united states and how did you end up in miami yeah 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 so um i was born in sunderland england um and uh there's a there's a good uh, netflix um documentary about sunderland football team oh um, yeah so called sunderland till i die okay I whether anybody anybody's seen that but it's it's there's been quite a few of these football club documentaries and this one is about the the great history of sunderland football club um but they're not doing so well at the moment they're like in in a, in a lower division right okay. um but but that's that's one thing sunderland's famous for but uh, Sunderland was um, uh, in the in, in the um, start of the 20th century was, if not the biggest shipbuilder in the world for a, a, for one town. It was it was in the top five. It was it was up there. I'm not I'm not sure which year they actually topped the number of the tonnage of ships built, but it was a massively important shipbuilding town, and. Um, uh, my uncle always tells the story that um, you know we were so proud of our shipbuilding skills and the and the the heritage that in the um, in the nineteen in the nineteen sixties and even in the seventies we would invite um, you know people from other countries to come to our colleges and learn how to build ships and we would just like give them all the trade secrets and all the all the all the skills and then they 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 of course. Most of them were, a lot of them were for, from Korea. Oh and, no! And, 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 and that's and then that's the end of the story because they went back and optimized it all, and, and suddenly Sunderland could not build them as efficiently as Korea. Yeah. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Wow! That's amazing. Yeah. 
So, so you grew up there. How come you didn't go into shipbuilding? Because of the Koreans and they stole the technology. Well, <laughs> yeah. No, uh, actually, funnily enough, when I first left university, there was still some shipbuilding here. Okay. Um, Mar- Margaret Thatcher actually was the put the last nail in the coffin of uh, Sunderland shipbuilding. Uh, and you'll have, you'll have all the listeners all all know Maggie Thatcher. Yeah. Um, but um, it, it was it was going downhill very rapidly then. But I remember when I when I first came out of university, being interested in actually getting a job as a as a uh, like an engineer in the shipyards. But they weren't hiring anybody at that point, you know. Um, and I actually got into school teaching at that stage, so I was a physics school teacher for a, a few years. Um, I had a physics degree and, wow. um, and, and I, I was a school teacher. So it was, a, it was a strange, um, turn of events that got me over to the United States. One of which involved, um, the U S air force base, Greenham common, where this was the time of Ronald Reagan. Yes. And, um, it was, it was, um, you know, high, high alert cold war days. Mm-hmm. And Greenham Common in, in the UK, down in Berkshire, was headquarters of your uh, cruise missiles. And I, I don't know the plane, whether it was the F-15, somebody probably knows better than me. But you had like a lot of, you know, uh, bombers there. They bombed, they bombed Libya from that base. Uh, and, and I met a, an American girl there uh, that was based at, on the base. And um, that's, that's when I first visited America, when I went to visit her. People always come. And did, did you go to Florida or did you go? To I went. Yeah, she was based in Eglin, Eglin Air Force Base in the in the air, the uh, weather forecasting uh, part of the U.S. Air Force. Nice. It's always yeah, yeah. a woman or work or run yeah. from the law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and so I I was staying in Pensacola where she was living. Um, I actually decided i was going to try and get a visa in those days i could get an h1b visa which is skilled labor skilled labor visa skilled labor professional visa yeah yep and um and i got a job then for a a tech a technology company talking about technology that um was was installing the latest electronic control systems in in a lot of the the factories and and uh industries around the southeast of the united states so uh some people might know like champion paperworks was in pensacola but um mead paper in in alabama yeah uh, near yep. phoenix, phoenix alabama i used to go to phoenix alabama um uh, georgia lots of places in georgia um, uh lagrange georgia some of the textile there's a big millican textile anyway, we did a lot of traveling and living in hotels and, and doing their control their it control systems wow 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 okay so you were so so you came over here you're working on the h1b visa and then somehow some way you ended up at ibm yeah um a a a couple of jumps later via atlanta and new orleans and i have great fond memories of new orleans and the people in new orleans i i uh great great place um I um, applied to, to work as a project manager with, with IBM. And, um, yeah, I was successful in IBM for a number of years as a, as a project manager that got, got, got sold out to, to companies to basically run their IT projects. Damn. Um, yeah. 
So um, we had a really great project up in uh, Bloomington, Illinois, for the State Farm. People will know State Farm Insurance, um, Louisiana Department of Revenue, um, and then and then my my uh, one of my assignments was down in uh, Miami, which was Rider, um, yep, Rider Systems, yeah, yep. yeah, over over by over in uh, El Dorado, right, and it's next. It used uh, to be next to the Carnival Carnival Cruise yep. Lines building. Durrell, right there on Durrell, 87th, sorry. just south of yeah. um, what's now 41st Street, but also known as 36th Street in Durrell. Yeah, in the uh, the old Airport West District, because the city was only incorporated yeah. like 20 years ago. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, is, that, is that still, is that Carnival? I mean, is Carnival Cruises still going? Yep, Carnival's there. You also yeah. have the Miami Herald is there. You have the Federal yeah. Reserve is there. John, you really? wouldn't believe it. I don't know the last time you were in Miami, but that area now, it's yeah. become so diversified in terms of the real estate. They, they, yeah. put, they put up little downtown areas. So there's two downtown areas that they built. That you, feel, really? you know, you'd be like, oh, my God, I'm in, a, I'm in a city somewhere. You're not necessarily in what used to be reclaimed Everglades and warehouses. Now you actually have condo towers and you have a whole variety of things. It's changed incredibly during this real estate cycle. Absolutely yeah. incredibly. Yep. Yeah. And, and the famous Doral Golf Club that, um, you know, was very it – had, it, held, it held some great um, – the uh, big, big blue, events, didn't it? Big, big, big blue, and it yeah, was, it was yeah, the name yeah. of the uh, one of the holes there. Yeah, one the of the holes. Course. Yeah, that, and that's that, all still going, Peter. Oh uh, well, that was the golf course that um, uh, Donald Trump purchased yeah. in distress during the downturn, and Trump did it, turned it into Trump International Hotel. And okay. uh, during his presidency, uh, uh-huh. they struggled because, as you know, Miami is very diverse. In fact, Miami Dade County is fifty four percent foreign born. Donald yeah. Trump has uh, he hasn't always spoken highly of uh, people from uh-huh. other countries. So uh-huh. as, a, as a result, uh, you know, a lot of people have avoided uh, uh-huh. going there. But and, yeah, and, and, yeah. Doral, Doral, I seem to remember was famous for its Venezuelans. Is that, is that yep. still? Yep, yep, yep. yep. Uh, Doranzuela is what they call it. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's a, it's an outpost for many of the Venezuelans who come here. Many of them fleeing Maduro and or Chavez. Uh, from, you know, the whole socialistic move and everything else that's going down there. Yeah, they all yeah. set up camp there or up in Weston, which is referred to locally as Weston Venezuela. So, yep, you got it, John. You remember. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. Now, good, good days. Good. I mean, it's, it's good. Good memories. Yeah, for sure. So, so, so John, um, uh, we're, we're coming to the end of the first segment. So um, you, you, you were based or you were working for Ryder down here in mm. Miami. It, mm. Is that how you ultimately ended up setting up shop and started mm. investing in real estate? Because you you were a pretty active real estate investor there for a while. Yeah, yeah, it it it, uh, it interested me greatly, and uh, the whole um, bite of rent um, was it seemed like a, a great idea in in, in two thousand and four. Yep, yep, um, yep. And then and then it didn't seem like such a good idea by two thousand and six. <laughs> well. Those are the cycles. That is the history of Florida. John, John last question before we go. Um, what, so what year did you actually uh, consider uh, Miami uh, to be to be home while, while you were in the state of Florida, living in the state of Florida? Um, I think I was I think I moved to Miami um, about 2003. About yeah. two, 2003. Yeah. And then you yeah, ended yeah. up. You, I met, now, I, I, I know you, you. Sorry, go ahead. I, I met you around 2005, I believe. Yep, correct. That's uh, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now, now you, you still have a lot of friends here in Miami. You come back that's and forth, right. back and forth. But when did you sort of um, not cut roots, but when did you sort of say, I'm, I'm heading back yeah. to the UK or back to England? Yeah. Yeah. So um, my, my father passed away 2010. Uh, God rest his soul. And um, 
and my daughter was born um, that year as well. Okay. So, okay. So it was like a big change, a lot of changes in my life, and um, that was that was one change that seemed to sort of go hand in hand with it, and that was to 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 relocate here. Um, my mother, my mother's still alive. Been out with her today for a, you know, a, a lockdown walk every every day. Nice. Um, it, Britain's pretty pretty well. It's very heavily locked, you know, locked down and not not nothing open. So we do that, and um, yeah, um, it's it's it was then that I I got into my own consulting and, and as well as the blockchain services. Well, well, John, was, why don't we why yeah. don't we take our break right now? Because I want you right. to get into that, and we're up against the, uh, the the first break in terms of some of the commercials we're going to run. So we're going to take a commercial break. On the other side of the break, um, we're going to ask John about blockchain. What is it? How did he get involved with it? Can you explain it simple, layman's mm. terms to someone who primarily does real estate? And, and how can you use blockchain? So we're going to get into all that uh, as soon as we get back on the other side of the break. This is Peter Zalewski of the Condo Vultures podcast. Back in 1995, I got my real estate license, but I didn't practice for a number of years simply because I was writing about real estate as a journalist. 2006, I broke out and I launched a company called Condo Vultures. The idea was to try to use information, uh, data, and know-how to try to get the best deals on behalf of buyers. So if you are a buyer and you're looking for a deal, you're looking to try to understand the condo market in the Tri-County, South Florida area, myself or my team are here to help you to get a hold of us. Please call us at 305-865-5859, 305-865-5859, or visit our website, condovulturesrealty.com. If you're enjoying the Condo Vultures podcast and you want more information, but this information in the written word as well as charts, why not sign up for the South Florida Distressed Market Intelligence Report? To do so, go to condovulturesrealty.com. Slightly below the main banner and logo, you will see a sign-up box. It's called the South Florida Distressed Market Intelligence Report. Sign up. Simply enter your email address, hit subscribe, and lo and behold, every week you'll be sent a newsletter giving you the latest updates on what's going on in the distressed market in South Florida. Welcome back to the Real Estate Players Profile. I'm your host, Peter Zalewski. Having a conversation with a longtime friend of mine as well, somebody I respect a lot. He's a tech guy, an IT guy. What's his name? John Dennis. What's he doing now? Well, he's living over in Newcastle. When he can get out, he goes uh, for walks with his mother and tries to enjoy what he can while the UK is on lockdown. But he also is the founder and the lead consultant for a group called Blockchain Services. What they do is they educate, they inform, and they basically assist businesses to understand how they can use blockchain um, uh, in their, their current livelihood. But we're also going to talk to him about crypto, crypto. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be very interesting in exactly what it is. Now, now, John, before we dive deep into blockchain, let me just lay out the, the sort of what's going on. Um, I'm not very smart when it comes to this stuff. And probably some, let's assume many of the people listening, uh, they're probably older and they probably are not the 13 uh, year old who's, uh, you know, uh, programming and hacking the Federal Reserve or any of that type of stuff. So the simpler you can keep it, uh, the better off we're, yeah. we're, we're going to be. Does, uh, does that work? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, I want to tell you something. You mentioned Margaret Thatcher last segment, who was yeah. the um, uh, prime minister of the UK. Uh, there's actually a, a there, there, there's a, a singer out of the UK that I love. His name is Frank Turner. He's got a song called Thatcher Fuck the Kids, basically about how they privatized everything. They stole everything out and many of the jobs and other things that were put in place. They're now gone as a result of Thatcher. Um, I don't know if you've heard that song. If you haven't, you need to check it out. It's a fan. It's got a fantastic uh, 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 momentum to it. Yeah. Yeah. So 
So, 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 John, um, uh, blockchain, uh, crypto, Bitcoin. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, what, 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 what kind of is all of it? Can you can you give us this big picture type of concept? Big picture. Before? Yeah, very big picture. Very big picture. Assuming yeah. everybody's got a smartphone. Everybody uh, uses WhatsApp and everyone knows how to shoot a video and post something on TikTok. Okay. Okay. So the, the whole blockchain technology is just a, a storage system online, storage system for data. Think of it as a, an electronic database, another type of electronic database. And if you've used Excel or or Microsoft Access, or any time that you've used your the multiple listing service, perhaps a multiple <laughs> listing service, absolutely. Okay, um, exa- great example. The most multiple listing service will probably be on a blockchain. Will probably be using blockchain technology in the next five years. Huh. Right, because it's a a more powerful, more secure, more useful type of database structure than a lot of conventional databases. Uh, and so um, one, one term that's used um, for blockchain as well is it's a ledger and uh, like a financial ledger. So, you know, an accounting system. Yep. Um, and, and, and that's basically when the database is being used to store transactions of, of money, right? Okay, okay. And so the first application of this type of blockchain technology was to create an electronic cash transfer system. It was an electronic form of transferring money. Okay. So it got this reputation as being um, related very much to money and uh, coins, you know, the word Bitcoin. Yeah. it, it, it's developed this reputation because that was one of the earliest uses of it. But in fact, you can take that same ledger, that same database and use it for any type of information. And that's so, I think that that's the first thing people should understand. It's not just about money. So. So, OK, now now let me ask you again, sticking with the with the MLS, multiple listing service, anybody who doesn't know what the multiple listing service is. Anyone who has a license in the state of Florida, what they do is they pay a thousand dollar a year fee to the, the local realtor association. For that thousand dollars a year, they get education services, they get uh, lobbying on behalf of the industry, but also too they get access to this database called the multiple listing service. And what the the database says is a realtor who's trying to sell a property. So they've been hired by someone who wants to sell. They they are going to be offered a commission, and they're going to offer a commission to someone else who brings in a buyer relying on this database, which John says can use blockchain to low and hold, uh, pull off a deal. And a lot of people who use, uh, or, you know, websites like Zillow or Redfin, they are incorporating this MLS, this database, this uh, soon to be blockchain into their day-to-day business. Now, 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 John, in terms of the ledger, and I'm thinking like an accountant, you know, he's, he or she is writing it down. You know, you see Dr. Uh, what, what was it? Um, uh, uh, old man Scrooge from, um, uh, from the Christmas Carol, you know, yes. you know, you know, that yes. type of thing. Um, uh, the thing that occurs to me about a ledger in, in real estate is what about property histories? You know how when you go in the MLS and you see a property history of a, of a unit, how it's traded over the course of yeah. years and what it was listed at and never sold, things like that. Is that. Would that be like a good example just to put in people's heads? Yes. These are all good use cases. So um, the, the, the property history 
the deed the deed itself okay um, can be can be recorded in a in one of these databases which is based on blockchain uh, architecture or infrastructure yep. yeah yeah um, so there are quite a few um, use cases within real estate um, including the um, mortgages where um, the the actual lending is coming from um, a a cryptocurrency rather than with it with dollars so there there's lending protocols that are being developed that um, are much more efficient than using banks to do the the loan transaction process there's Whoa. a lot of, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so that's something to think about and, and yeah. so, so just thinking out loud, what about title companies? I mean, title companies, their, their title role is company. to be the middleman or middle they, person. Exactly. The and title now suddenly, yeah. are they necessary? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the, the deed itself will in the future be stored in something like a blockchain technology. I mean, you, you know, the Miami mayor is, is now quite uh, active in the blockchain a- yeah. area and, and he's trying to promote it. So, and he wants to pay. He wants to give employees of the city of Miami the option to take their payment in blockchain. I mean, in, in, in Bitcoin. 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 Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, you can imagine, you can imagine tax information being being stored in this this uh, type of technology. Um, the so I mentioned uh, mortgages. I mentioned deeds. Now, as you say. One of the one of the uh, big advantages is you can remove the middlemen, which have always been in the role of what we would say the honest broker, yeah. the person that people trust between uh, two independent parties that want to do a transaction. Yeah, right. And that and that and that middleman middle person within a real estate deal is the title company. Well, in our transactions with money, we use the bank as the middleman. Right. Yes. It, yes. It, if I want to sell, send you um, money using a wire, a wire transfer, uh, we call them a BAC, a BACS payment. Um, it goes through. It goes through maybe two or three different banks before it gets to you. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so this adds time. It adds cost. It adds expense. Um, and these 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 uh, the efficiencies can be can be achieved. Uh, with this new type of technology called blockchain technology, um, also called distributed ledger technology, um, which is a, just a, a synonym for it. And um, yeah, it's it's going to be in in every part of our a part of our lives um, very soon. So uh, so so, John, if I could stop you, like I, you know, just to, again, sticking with real estate because that's what a lot of people are uh, accustomed yeah, yeah. to listening to here. So. So, like right now, if I want to, if I want to research a property, um, and I want to use public records, so I go to the property appraiser website yeah. to see what it traded for. I then go to the clerk of the court website to see what loans are outstanding, um, uh, to see uh, if there's any other things associated with it, liens, things like yeah. that. It, In the future, I mean, is it effectively all going to be consolidated into one right. place so it'll be nice and clear and transparent? Yeah. See, so. What we have right now are centralized databases. Yes, that is that is, um, you know, each each authority has control over certain information. Yeah, they mm-hmm. they don't they want to control it. They don't want to share it necessarily with these other authorities. Yeah, so it's, it's what we call siloed. It's in a silo. 
Yep. And some of the biggest inefficiencies in our society are because um, we are working in these silos and the silos don't communicate well. We have to uh, we have to take data from different silos and merge it. And there's, there's errors made when that happens. There's time it takes to do that. So you, you've got the time sensitivity of data, et cetera. Um, one thing about blockchain is that because of its high security and because of the way that you can decide who has access to information, you can, you can set up trusted channels, trusted communications between different databases and make them seamless so the silos disappear. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That you know, it it makes me think about back in the day when you wanted to travel. Yeah. You'd have to go through a travel agent who yep. who, who could tap into each of these silos. Yeah. Um, and now you just go and you do it all online. Yeah. So so what 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 does that what, what does that suggest for the real estate world? Mm. Those who make their living off mm. of real estate uh, going forward. Mm. Well, title companies will be a thing of the past. Um, wow. It, 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 yeah. Um, the, the sales process probably, um, you know, the internet has changed the sales process, hasn't it? People who have uh, access to information that they used to have to go to a broker for to find out what's for sale. So now people have much better access online. So, or, or John, or John, a courthouse, like if you were buying yeah. foreclosures, you'd have to go down to the courthouse and actually bid in person. Yeah. And that created a barrier to entry. So only a few people could take advantage of it. Now yeah. it's gone online. Yeah. And it's yeah. been streamlined. Yeah, I think I think information is going to become far more accessible, even if you have to pay for the information. I mean, you might have to you will have to pay a fee to have access to it, probably. You know, it might yeah. not be free, but yeah. but it'll be cheaper. It could be cheaper than paying a, a commission, for example. But what what won't go away is the emotional value that a realtor brings, the the attention, the um the commitment that a realtor has, the um, the persuasion tactic, because a lot of people, when they're buying real estate, need to be persuaded to buy it, yeah? They need to, to yeah. feel like they're doing the right thing. And I yeah. think that we, we don't want to get away from that human element in our transactions. I, I, I think um, it's dangerous to be doing everything with automation and robots, you know, not not physical sort of metal robots, but I mean software robots. Yeah. You know, we I don't think we want to live in a society where everything is automated and, and everything is um, digitized. I think there's but, always going to be a role for the for that human element in hold, holding it, you know, metaphorically holding your hand through the process and being you, there. You know, yeah, you know, you know, John. Though we're maybe we're seeing a glimpse because one of the things that's occurring because of this tight housing market in the United States. Yeah, and let me sort of set the scene for you. So, so there's a moratorium where no foreclosures and no evictions can occur. So, therefore, people who aren't paying, they're in their homes. Yeah, yeah. And and so, so they're not moving. So, as a result, the people who are willing to sell mm. is is less and less simply because interest rates have been so low, mm. and people who are buying are starting to have to fight. There's a lot of people buying, trying to buy. Mm. And they're fighting after a few number of properties. Therefore, they're they're kind of bidding the prices up mm. higher and higher and higher. As as part of the foreshadowing, we have people now because it's such a tight housing market for those units that are for sale. They're they're making offers sight unseen, and effectively, they're doing 
with the inefficiencies that exist in today's market, but they're doing what you're sort of saying could happen sometime in the near future as a result of blockchain. Yes. Um, So it will be possible that people take it all into their own hands and do it relatively inexpensively uh, and, and quickly than, than even with the internet, all the things, all the hoops you have to jump through still. Um, The information will be there. It'll be quick. It'll be real time um, updated um, real time. Um, but some people just don't want to even do that, do they? They want to outsource that to somebody else. They don't want to learn the technology. True. They don't, they, they don't, they don't even want to do the searches. Right. And, True. and so there's always going to be a market for those people that have enough money and, uh, p- prefer to spend the time doing something else. And I don't blame them. Right. So they, yep. they have, so you're going to have to be, you know, savvy with these things as a real, to know, cause they're going to be hiring you, to understand the best way to get the information quickly. Uh, but as I say, it's also, you know, your personality is, is going to be very important. Your caring personality, your, you know, em- empathetic personality as a real is going to be more important because everything else you can get from technology. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, so um, so let, let's take blockchain and other stuff. So so businesses out there right now, maybe somebody owns uh, apartment buildings, mm. apartment units. Maybe somebody is has a brokerage, a real estate brokerage. Maybe somebody has a title company. Maybe somebody has an insurance company related to real estate. Um, is there anything that seems natural to you that they, why they ought to consider blockchain to help them? Uh, because of inevitably, it's going to happen anyways. Any, any like insight you might be able to offer just with some of those, um, you know, the, the, those those focuses within the real estate um, industry? Um, well, when it comes, it's going to be bigger than an individual brokerage. Um, my, okay. my, my clients wouldn't typically be a, a, a small to medium-sized business because they will, they'll be using the technology, but they won't be creating it. Yeah. Got it's it. not like you create, like you created your own website. You might, you might have an interface like a website. Well, you probably do. You will have still an interface to the blockchain and you don't realize you're getting now the information off, off a blockchain database rather than a traditional, um, you know, it might be on Oracle or Microsoft. Uh, uh, the, the, I don't know what, do you know actually what technology uh, is? It's probably an IBM. It's probably an IBM um, mainframe actually that the, uh, the MLS is on, but well, I can tell you it is old ass technology. <laughs> it is, it is in, it is inefficient okay. and it needs to basically be thrown yeah. out and replaced. It needs to be disrupted. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, what it yeah. needs. And, and this is, this is certainly just wrong. So your question was what, what practically does this mean for your, your, your sort of high street broker? So yes, I correct. say the awareness that this is coming down the line or do you say coming down the pipe over there? Do you come down the pipe? Down the pike, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So this is coming down the pike, um, awareness, and you know, it might it might change your decision about what you should be investing in, um, and where you should be putting your money, uh, in your in your technology upgrades in the office or whatever, because you might want to just hold off a little bit because something else new is going to come, right? I mean, there's that yep. side of it, but what I was going to say is, the technology is going to be sold to the the brokers by people like IBM. It, I mean, okay. IBM and, and, and some of the consult PricewaterhouseCoopers have got projects going on. And then there's, as I say, there's thousands of Silicon Valley startups that are developing new applications, new, um, new, new blockchain 
methods and, and use cases. And uh, one of them will soon be like knocking on the door of brokers and saying, hey, if you if you do this, you're going to get an advantage. You'll have a, you know, a, a strategic advantage. And then they're going to be knocking on the door of every you know, government department and getting them to change their systems. Right. They'll probably do it with the government at, at, at the same time or before. I don't know. Um, so, um, yeah, it's going to be, you know, your driver's license information will be be uh, stored that way. Your passport information will be stored that way. Um, your, your taxes. These are this is the this is the uh, the future of I.T. Now, now let me let, let me ask you, John. Um, um, and and I'm going to want to talk about cryptocurrency. Mm. We'll probably talk about the next mm. the next segment. But but so one of the one of the advantages of blockchain mm. for cryptocurrency mm. is that people can see the transaction. It's out there for everyone to see. Um, these changes that you say might be coming to or are coming in terms of blockchain to real estate and or you know your identification stuff like that is that going to be behind a wall where no one else can see it or is everybody's information just going to be out there for public consumption and it doesn't make a difference anymore. Mm because it's all there anyways, and therefore there's no uh, identity theft. No, that, that's a bit of a, 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 mis, a misconception that, yeah. That, okay. That, that, I mean, I've heard it both ways. Some people will say, oh, blockchain is, is super secure, so nobody knows what you're doing, right? And that's why the, the, uh, the, money, the, the money laundering is done using blockchain. So the people will use that argument that it's, it's, it, you, you can be invisible, you know, it can't be traced, right? And then, yep. and, and that's true. That 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 is true with certain architectures and and uh, and the way what the the, uh, the the particular blockchain you use. Uh, but then the, there's other people that say, "Oh, it's it's open." So one of the things about it, they'll say it's transparent. Yeah, the great thing about blockchain is it's transparent, and you can see what's going on and um, who's buying what. You've got you've got the extreme where you can use blockchain to make every transaction visible or you can have it built so that you can have every transaction invisible. And there's every every sort of spectrum in between. So don't so you will hear these people say, oh, it's all fully open or it's fully closed. And neither are wrong and neither are right. You know. And I guess that's where that's where we are right now. It's all getting sorted out, trying to figure out how it's going to work. It's all going to begin uh, start to be implemented. Yep. So, I, how, how soon um, before, or, or I guess two questions: How soon is it going to be implemented uh, throughout, let's say the uh, the real estate world? Mm-hmm. And and two, um, are we even going to know? Mm-hmm. You know, like 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 a dumbass like me, am I even going to know it's blockchain rather ah, than you know whatever well, it was? Well, that, that's a good question, actually. Um, you may not uh, know if if all you were using is a is a front end web browser, um, yeah. then yeah, how it's done in the back end um, won't be obvious to you. Except you're going to find yes. new features coming up. You know, like you say, you'll be able to you'll be able to get everything access to everything from one one page, and there'll also be clever stuff going on in the background where there's going to be you know, logic taking place where before you couldn't compare, as you said, you know, the city uh, foreclosure records with, yep. with you had to do it manually. You have to c- compare that yep. with tax records. Well, all yep. this could be being done automatically 
for you and then it just pops up with the results and you don't have to do all that legwork or or an aggressive real estate investor could go ahead and build their own infrastructure right. and have all that information right at their fingertips well, and be and be able to beat everybody else yeah, well here's the opportunity um okay pe- people who understand the process the best also understand the problems with the process and these tend to be the people working in it so you and and the the listeners right now yep. they're the people who are the right people to um bring in a, a technologist who understands the technology and they put their problems on the table the technologist says you know we can solve that with this technology then you then you you build a a, 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 an application, a software application, which is going to have, you know, a front end, a back end, and that's that's now marketable. That's you you own that. You 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 can get a you know get a copyright on it or a um, you know patent on it, or you're just first to market. Even if it's even if it's um, not patentable, you you you're first to market and you run with it. I mean, there's just story after story of startups that have like one idea, and um, and it solves a real world problem. So um, anybody that's listening that, you know, thinks that the first, they have a frustration with their current process. It's worth talking to somebody like blockchain services or, you know, there's good people in Florida. There's, there's good people in Miami um, who would say, you know what, um, we didn't know that was a problem because we are not real estate experts. But now that you've told us that we know how to solve it. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, John, let's go ahead. We'll take our next commercial break. On the other side, I'm going to, um, I want to continue a little bit more on blockchain. And I also want to ask about the cryptocurrency. Yeah, so good, uh, good. stay tuned. This is Peter Zaluski of the Condo Vultures podcast. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. And I wanted to alert you that if you have a property that you're looking to sell in the Tri-County, South Florida area, I would encourage you to reach out to Jenny Hortus, a licensed real estate broker with CVRRealty.com. She's my partner. She's been in the business for uh, north of 15 years. More importantly, she knows the market. She knows how to get a deal done. And she also realizes that it's more important to get a price that you can accept and sell the property rather than to hold firm on some price that's never going to be achieved and ultimately languish on the market. So if you're looking to do a deal that you want a skilled expert who can help you sell a property, reach out to Jenny Hortis at 305-865-5859, 305-865-5859, or visit her website, cvrrealty.com. If you're listening to this podcast, think about who else is. If you want to reach that crowd, which tends to be investors, buyers, developers, lenders, why not advertise on the Common Cultures podcast? To do so, give us a call at the office, 305-865-5859, 305-865-5859, or send an email to inquiry at condovultures.com, I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. Welcome back to the Condovultures podcast. This is a real estate player's profile. I'm Peter Zalewski. I'm your host. Having a fantastic, insightful conversation with a friend of mine and someone I have a lot of respect for, an IT guy. His name is John Dennis. He's a founder and lead consultant of blockchain services based in Newcastle, England, over in the United Kingdom. John, you're blowing my mind with some of this uh, talk about blockchain. I thought it was cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and, and Dogecoin and all this type of stuff. 
You're talking about title insurance. Yeah. You're talking about title companies. You're talking about real estate deeds, all of these things that are going to be impacted. The MOS, it's all going to be impacted by uh, blockchain yeah. if it's yeah. not already. I'll, I'll blow your mind a little bit more because this is an interesting application as well. Yeah, tell me. Well, digital art, so electro, uh, art that is just, uh, you know, created in a digital form, like a photograph in, in, in a sense. Okay. But if, if you only have one photograph of this digital art in the world, you don't want copies to be made of it. And, and the yeah. only way to see it is if you have the key, which is basically a encrypted code to access it and it's stored on a blockchain, then people oh. will buy and sell that key in order to be able to see that art. Right? That's or, interesting. Or yeah. some music that, you know, um, you know, Liam Gallagher of Oasis, or, or you know, yeah. <laughs> if, if, you know, Paul McCartney, Paul McCartney of the Beatles writes, writes a song, and instead of just releasing it on Spotify... He locks it into the blockchain and sells the key to it to the highest bidder. And that person with the key is the only person that can listen to it. Wow. And then, then I mean, Sotheby's are actually, Sotheby's are already auctioning um, crypto art. They're already doing it. So somebody like Banksy, I don't know if you've heard of the street artist called Banksy that does the sort of graffiti on the in London. Yeah. And, and I will say, I will say, if I can interrupt you, uh, yeah, uh, Banksy, there's a great documentary on Netflix on it, but also, too, um, last uh, Art Basel, the last one before oh. the pandemic, uh, there was actually an unofficial uh, Banksy um, uh, uh, conference that was going on where many of his works were out on display. So, yeah, yeah, uh, people here locally did get a chance yeah. to see Well, some art dealers are now getting into this, this space pretty, pretty heavily, and they're trying to buy up, you know, some of the early... Uh, digital art uh, that is um, is stored now in blockchains because they see its value increasing. Wow! 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 John, um, yeah. couple couple quick questions. We we talked about title companies because yeah. title companies in the middle, and that's effectively what blockchain does. It, yeah, just, yeah. it gives you a transparent uh, process. Um, it raises the question: What about something like um, uh, title insurance? Title insurance protects. Ultimately, it's usually the lender who provides financing. The lender wants the insurance taken out in case there's some problem. The lender wants to make sure they can get their money back. Sometimes people take it out for their own equity, but a lot of times it has to do with the lender. One of the reasons they do it down here in Florida is that um, in order to record a deed, you can simply walk into the courthouse, you can pay the fee, and you can record a deed and claim that a property is yours, even though there's nothing else involved with it. And that's one of the scams and hustles that goes on, especially with land here in Florida. This uh, this blockchain would would eliminate that. So would it wouldn't it also eliminate title insurance? Once once the the whole ecosystem of blockchain is formed, and diff okay. and, and these different systems that all have to show integrity the the integrity of, yeah. of the of the property the deed the tax everything once they're all once this is developed, then you're correct that. Um, you should be able, there should be almost zero risk because the information is flowing so well and communicating so well that there's, there's zero risk, right? But hmm. in, in, in practical sense, for a number of years, the process will not be perfect. The information won't be perfect. And, 
And so you'll still need title insurance. But in fact, the title insurance will be will be stored instead of it being stored in an escrow account with a middleman. It's going yep. to be locked into a blockchain with what's called a smart oh. contract. So that's a jargon word that you'll hear a lot. It's it's a contract that is is electronically programmed to only release the the insurance under certain conditions. Certain logic applies. Ah, oh. so it's, it's a contingency. It's a covenant. Or it's a, it's yeah. yeah. Okay. So you you've only got the two parties that um are involved. Uh, or you could I suppose you could have more than two, but um they're all gonna have to behave according to this. Uh, this smart contract and it's not going to be a person that decides when it's released or if it's released it's basically a program that that does that interesting interesting yeah. john one yeah. other one other question related to blockchain then i want to get a little bit into cryptocurrency mm. if you could just lay it out for us um uh you know uh us amateurs of us uh, mm. who are naive or mm. or just uninformed uh, um condo associations Mm. One of the biggest issues with condo associations is people don't pay their maintenance fee, and to figure out who oh. hasn't paid, it becomes very uh-huh. difficult. If you uh-huh. have blockchain, couldn't everybody in association effectively look at the blockchain and see who hasn't paid? And, and as a result, oh. there's a, there's an implied Peter, pressure. That is that is a great use case for a, a small. I mean, that's that's almost something that I, I, I might run with. <laughs> Thanks for the idea. I mean. I mean, it wouldn't take much to build an application in which, um, yeah, all all the all the the financials for condo fees are are recorded, uh, and and we use this word immutable. They can't be tampered with. Yes. They, they're once once they're recorded, you can't you can't sort of ask ask for a favor for it to be changed yeah, or yeah, yeah, give yeah. somebody a backhander. Yeah. So it's really good for. <laughs> It's really good for preventing corruption, right? Um, and and really, I could see that as being something that you would you would basically sell to a it it would be it would be a bigger database that everybody um, is is every every condo, for example, might be using the same big blockchain, yes, but just different parts of it, different areas of it. So you wouldn't have to have a different blockchain for each condo, in other words, right? It would be one big database that one company owns, like IBM, and then you pay money to IBM in order to put your condo um, information on it and give give access to it only for the people in your building, right? Because you can control who can see it and who can't see it. So you would have to be a, a, a an owner of a property to look at that information. Yeah, John, John, we're going to have to talk um, after this um, yeah. because I, I have been for a long time. Um, you know, I, I've done a lot with databases. Uh, first, I did the condo vultures uh, yeah, run yeah. back in 2006, 2007, up yep. till 2011. And we, we created databases of foreclosures. Then yeah. uh, 2011 onward, we created a database of pre-construction. And what yeah. my next uh, venture I'm getting involved with is creating a ratings agency for condos. And it sounds like my scenario might be yeah. perfect for blockchain where you basically create it all and you have everything about every unit owner as well yeah. as every building. Cause we've already uh-huh. collected a lot of that information and then you take uh-huh. it to a bank and you say uh-huh. any bank that is going ahead and, um, and, and holding mortgages rather than yeah. selling them by way of Fannie Mae, this becomes a great way for them to have some confidence in terms of uh, their money on the street. Yes. Yeah. You see, you see, that's a great example, Peter, of what I was saying where the money 
it actually is not in the technology. It's in the the process knowledge yes. that people have of how to use the technology. The technologists are like uh, are not aware of what what to use it for. You have to tell them what to use it for. So, so I guess what I'm saying, John, is that you and I need to talk. And if there's anybody <laughs> out there who wants to invest yeah, early, yeah. Uh, yeah. send an email to inquiry at condovultures.com. Uh, well, inquiry at condovultures.com. I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. <laughs> yeah. well, who knows, early, John? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's early. The, the thing is, it's early days. It's really still early days. Um, you know, the first the first Bitcoin was, was what's called minted in, yes. in 2008. That was the start, really. Okay. 2008. And it didn't really start get going until 2010, 2011. This was this was the early what there was one blockchain and that was the Bitcoin blockchain. But yep. now there are there are th- like several thousand um, different, if you like, databases that are all based on blockchain technology and are all sort of aimed at doing different things, have different use cases, slightly different. Uh, different functionalities. So, you know, you've got different coins that are a little bit different to Bitcoin, but you've oh. also got things that have nothing to do with money. And okay. I think you wanted to ask something about cryptocurrency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want, I want to get into cryptocurrency now. So what I'd like to do, because you are a wealth of knowledge and for disclosure, um, the re- one of the reasons we're doing this podcast uh, right now at the uh, end of February is that, you know, I started getting interested in what's going on with Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, simply because so much is being uh, spoken about it. I'm not saying I'm investing, nothing like that, but I want to know what the process is. So what I did is I reached out to John, uh, called him up, um, and we started talking. So based on him giving me an overview, um, I went out and I began my cryptocurrency um, process, if you will. So, so, So what I came to find is the cryptocurrency process it seems like it's modeled after what we currently have in place, but uh, you don't no longer have a bank involved. You no longer have, uh, yeah, effectively a bank involved. So, so, so what what I did is um, based on what you know information John was putting out there and what I was able to read online. What I what I did is I set up what is called a wallet. Um, it's a wallet is when you buy some sort of electronic currency. This is where you keep it. So just mm-hmm. like you would have your own wallet or your safe, your, your vault or your, you know, your, your box. So I went ahead and I created a wallet. I used a company called Edge. How did I know them from anybody else? I read all the reviews on, um, uh, on Apple for my, I have an iPhone for the podcast. So after I did that, I then was curious, hmm, I can buy a Bitcoin. I can buy it at the CVS or I can, <laughs> I can, go, to the, I can go to the Marathon gas station. I can use the ATM. I can get a pack of smokes, a 40 ounce of, boo, of liquor, of beer, and I can actually buy Bitcoin. So I said, hmm, this is kind of interesting. Let me see if I can do it. I'm not expecting to make any money. I just want to understand the process. I want to understand the process. So I've done now. I went ahead. I created this wallet, again, using Edge. I then went to a company called Liberty X. Liberty X. They're the ones that run all these ATMs throughout South Florida that say you can buy Bitcoin. And effectively, what it is, is you cut a deal with them and then you show up at their ATM and they give you a locator, just like you're looking for any kind of ATM. You go there, you put your uh, ATM card in, you type in uh, your number. They then, because of your account with Liberty X, who's a seller of it, they then give you a code to put in. The two match up and lo and behold, you get Bitcoin, but they need to put Bitcoin somewhere. So where do they put it? They put it in my Bitcoin wallet or my, my coin wallet, which again was Edge. So that's what I've done thus far. My next step is 
Um, I'm waiting for approval. And, and, and Bitcoin is all based on these cryptocurrencies in the United States. It's based on know your customer, which is what banks do to uh, try to uh, prevent money laundering. So you have to put in social security number, birthday, pictures, uh, driver's license, stuff like that. So I'm waiting to get the approval. But once I get the approval, which is called level three, I'll then be able to walk in the CVS drugstore. I'll be able to pay them cash. And in return, they will scan my, my phone and I will have Bitcoin added to my wallet, my coin wallet, which again is Edge. And lo and behold, this is how it's going down. This is how it's going down. This is how it's been going down for me. Um, John, any insight you can offer about my process? And, and I will say for my first Bitcoin purchase, I bought $20 worth of Bitcoin and they charged me $9 in fees. What the hell is going on? 47, 48% markup. Is that the way it works with cryptocurrencies? Yeah, I mean, there's some fixed overhead. So it's sometimes you get economies of scale if you buy more. Yeah. So you get screwed the less you buy. Yeah. And there is a $500 per day limit, I will say, if you go to an ATM, just like it would be yeah. a cash limit. So go ahead, John. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Peter's starting his journey with this cryptocurrency, which is one, just only one element of the blockchain ecosystem. So, you know, I, I think of it as the blockchain ecosystem is like the internet. The internet can do all these different things, has all these different applications. Um, one thing you can do on the internet is use something like PayPal. And uh, people, most people, or you can use WhatsApp, or you can use Spotify. That's one application. And what Peter did was use one application of blockchain technology, which was this thing called Bitcoin. And it, it's very confusing for people because, because Bitcoin was the first use of blockchain technology and because it's the biggest use of blockchain technology in terms of the amount of money that is uh, tied up in it, $1 trillion, by the way, or just over a trillion, yep. um, is in Bitcoin. People think that blockchain is Bitcoin, when in fact, Bitcoin is just one application. And you could make the case that it's not even the most important application that at the moment. It's just the biggest. The biggest and the most known and the most known. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I want people to feel comfortable when they're talking about, you know, blockchain and Bitcoin, that they can differentiate between the two. Yep. Yeah. So, and, so, and, so uh, John, would it safe to say Bitcoin is the brand of a product? Blockchain yes. is the process of how it gets. Done. Yes. Okay. Yes, that's good. Yes. Okay. Um, and um, and and you found you found the whole process of buying Bitcoin inefficient. The electronic, which is the electronic cash. The electronic um, cash. Inefficient. Right? Inefficient. It, yeah. Can no, be... it's clunky. It's clunky yep. and inefficient. Yep. Um, and in fact, blockchain will. Sorry, Bitcoin will never really be used as a as a method of paying for real goods and services so next for buying time, groceries no it so next be. time i want to get that 40 ounce of beer at no. the at the liquor store i'm not going to use my bitcoin no no <laughs> okay no. fair enough there's, there's a number of reasons why it won't um but um i mean it's it's price is volatility you know it's it's not stable it, yeah. it, it can only do four transactions a second in the whole world so you, you, you'd be waiting a long time to get the sort of yes it go. You know when you use your your, your um, contactless card at, at the uh, 
at the checkout and it takes a second or less than a second because it's Visa because yep. they can process, you know, tens of thousands per second. Yep. Uh, anyway, um, so it's not an efficient, it's not an efficient um, payment mechanism. The only the only reason people are buying it is as a, a secure store of value. So people sometimes think of it as digital gold. And, and the reason they call it digital gold is that currently, and I'm looking, there's a website that John turned me on to. It's called coincentral.com. It's a, um, it's a research group out of uh, Washington, D.C. And basically, they have many of the currencies there, and they have pricing. So according to Coin Central, they say that there are 18.6 million Bitcoins. Ultimately, there's going to be somewhere in the ballpark of 21 million. Yeah. So yeah. this is a set quantity. You can't add any more after the 21 million. And right now, current pricing, it's fluctuated from about $58,000 per Bitcoin earlier this week. Today, it's at 47800 and it trades 24-7. It's not like the New York Stock Exchange that opens at 9.30 and closes at 4 o'clock. This one's going 24-7, and everybody in the world's playing. Is that correct, John? Yeah, I mean, people are using it like a, like a casino right now, to be honest. Uh, cryptocurrency is, is, a, is a speculation. It's a speculation for um, growth of um, your, you know, your money. You, you buy it with dollars and you hope you can sell it. You can sell it for more when it comes time to sell. But in the meantime, it's very volatile. So on any week by week basis, you could lose 10 percent. It can go down 10 percent and go down 20 percent. Um, it, it did go down 20 percent on Monday. You know, I mean, that's crazy for anybody that, you know, it, it, it is just has just bought it. If they put a thousand a thousand dollars in and, and, and they look the next day and it's eight hundred dollars. So but that but that's that's the way it behaves. And, and people that have been using it for a while are used to it. But it has it has gone up over the long term. Very, very, uh, well, you know, well, like orders of magnitude. It was. Um, it was three thousand at the start of the uh, pandemic in March last year, or three thousand five hundred, and now it's 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 more than ten times that amount. And but, J- but John, a, my anyway. if I could, my my, my twenty dollar purchase, which they charged me nine dollars <laughs> to process, <laughs> my twenty dollar purchase. Uh, you know what it's worth right now? We're talking three <laughs> hours later. Three hours later. No, eighteen dollars and sixty cents. <laughs> But who knows? I might wake up tomorrow it might, and it yeah. might be worth $30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so, yeah. so I, I think your point is made. John, talking about these cryptocurrencies, what's the likelihood and what's the risk if somebody out there is saying, you know what, I want to embrace this cryptocurrency craze and maybe I will accept cryptocurrency for the transaction of real estate. Um, do you have any thoughts about that? I'm not asking you to be an attorney, an accountant, anything like that. But oh, in yeah. theory, is that something that uh, yeah. we could see coming down the pike? And there have been stories written about I, the possibility. No, I, I've heard of, of uh, real estate being bought with Bitcoin um, in, in by two, two you know, um, people that are, know about Bitcoin, own Bitcoin, and they agree. But it would be without a broker, probably. It would just be they, would, they agree, I'll sell my house to you for this amount of Bitcoin, and they just transfer it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then they go and change the deed. But no, um, you know, jo- John McAfee, the uh, software developer, the, the, he's on the run, I think. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's, um, you know, bought expensive cars, real estate and, and big, big ticket items using Bitcoin because he, he made a lot by buying very early. 
there was there was talk that the Venezuelan um, uh, government, yeah. which is teetering because right. it's been yeah, yeah. basically blacklisted by so much, they've actually created their own electronic currency oh. si- simply because of the you know the the, the entire problem. So. You know, just sort of something to think about, John. Um, uh, uh, I'm looking at I'm looking at the Bitcoin uh, and I'm looking at cryptocurrency. So, so um, uh, help us understand. Cryptocurrency is just a it's a term that it sort of applies to. It's kind of like using the term money. It's a crypto is just like the electronic this electronic thing of value. Would mm-hmm. would, would that be layman's real simple, yeah. rudimentary layman's yeah. terms? Yeah, e- electronic money that yep. is stored in a form which is not dollars pounds yen euros it's actually you have to convert the what's called fiat currency the the standard money into... we're not talking about the italian car right fiat <laughs> yeah it's spelled <laughs> the same yeah it's spelled the same yeah okay yeah um that that money that's issued by a government um has to be then converted into you you basically pay an exchange to convert that into a a unit of value, which might be a Bitcoin, it might be a, a, an Ethereum, it might be a Binance coin. Um, there's there's many many others. Um, you know, Monero. There's many types of coin, just like there's many types of currency. We have we have, as you said, we have dollars and and yen and pesos. Just in, in the crypto world, we have the same variety, and you want to, and, and what distinguishes them is they're stored in a different blockchain with a slightly different architecture, different features. Um, some of them might be completely private, other ones might be completely open. Some might require know your customer, other ones might not require know your customer. Um, some have are faster than others. And some are some are fast and, and not as secure. Some are slow but very secure, right? Yeah. So, yep. so they all have their different features. And what people are betting on right now is what are the features that, in the long run, are going to be, you know, what people want are sustainable and which and and if 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 what you want is just security, then you go for the Bitcoin network because it's the biggest, baddest. Um, most secure network right but that but the only thing you can do is really store your money there got it john just to give the audience um some perspective i'm looking at coincentral.com and again they have a cryptocurrency prices they have about 20 cryptocurrencies that they track and let let me just tell you based on market cap market and not sorry peter yeah not all of them not all of them will be actually cryptocurrency so we're, we're trying to distinguish between those uses of blockchain, which are for, for the exchange of, of money, electronic money, yeah, right? And you, we call those cryptocurrencies. Now, the other ones are blockchain, but are not necessarily cryptocurrencies. So there might be an application such as tracking um, goods through a supply chain or tracking uh, like the MLS system. You, you would create a blockchain the MLS system, and then it's going to also um, have a coin, uh, what's called a token associated with it. So each time you want to access data, you might have to use the token, the MLS token. Ah, interesting. Interesting. Okay. Um, so, so give the audience an idea. So uh, the Coin Central, 
They're saying 2,300, 2,400 cryptocurrencies. And by based on market cap, Bitcoin is number one. Number two is Ethereum. So Bitcoin is coming in at $901 billion market cap. Ethereum is $176 million. Then Binance Coin is $37 million. So there's a dramatic drop off. And then the round Bill, off the top Billion, five, billion, not billion, billion. Yeah, billion. I'm sorry, $37 billion. So $901 billion for Bitcoin, $176 billion for Ethereum, which, by the way, was created by a Canadian uh, a Russian Canadian gentleman up in Toronto. Yeah, uh, yeah. Number three is uh, Binance Coin, which is thirty-seven billion. Number four is Cardano at thirty-six billion, and number five is Tether at thirty-five billion. And then from there, uh, it goes down uh, relatively quickly. But but all of them are topping a billion or so. So just to give you an idea, twenty-three, twenty-four hundred. I mean, when the you know when everybody had their own currency here in in, in the world before the euro and some of the consolidation. What do we have? How many countries do we have? 200 countries, 220 countries? Nowhere near to what this is. So it's massive. Uh, John, is this a lot like uh, the early days of the internet when people are trying to figure out what's oh, yeah. what when you had MySpace oh, and you had absolutely. Facebook and everything else? And then eventually, you know, the best uh, ruled out or the ones with the deepest pockets ruled out. And then we, we created the standard. Absolutely. You know, the, the, the internet websites that people didn't see any value in because there was sort of you know, stupid, uh, just fizzled away. So the market's going to decide which one, which ones of these actually people are going to use. Yeah. And, and that's what people are, are betting on right now. They're trying to find like, like, a, like buying shares, you buy the coins instead of shares. And then you hope this is going to be the, the application, which is, is very popular and everybody wants to own the shares or the coins. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay, and I guess, John, my last question related to this is um, in the United States, and I'm sure they have something similar in Europe, um, in the United States, you have something called the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. So if I walk into a bank and I make a deposit up to 250 grand, the federal government will back that money in the bank um, as the insurance policy, and it gives confidence in that particular um, uh, institution that I can go ahead and I can put my money there. Um, is there any insurance or how do you sort of um, deal with the risk uh, factor when you're talking about uh, these cryptocurrencies, no, no. So um, that's what people need to understand that um, there's no government insurance or backing or endorsement for any of these cryptocurrencies. And um, if you make a mistake when you are transacting it, uh, if you lose your password, there's nobody to call. Absolutely nobody. That's what they told me when I was setting up mine. They're like, yeah. if, you, if you're if you a dumbass and you lose this, don't call us because there's nothing we can do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this this will, you know, this is going to evolve and there'll be, there'll be ways to, there will in the future be customer service that is, I mean, the market will ask for customer service at some point. Yep. And the government also will get involved and, and that might be, a good thing or a bad thing, right? If the government get involved, they might actually say some of these cryptocurrencies are not good for society and 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 shut them down, like they shut down the dark web, right? Yep. yep. So so that that's on the cards. Almost certainly that's gonna happen. Some of these blockchains will be shut down because they maybe are being used for illegal purposes too much and the government's proved that. So yeah. Um no, but that's 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 why that why are these coins going up in value? It's just speculation that they're going to be more useful 
in the in the future and more people will be using them for a useful purpose yeah and now now i will tell you and i'm not offering investment advice to anybody in johnson no none of this is investment advice but 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 what what my what the reason i'm buying the crypto um uh the actual bitcoin you know the 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 process is i want to know if i do decide to invest in it um do i actually buy my own bitcoin or Mm. do i turn around and use my um stock accounts with a, uh, you know, a, a, a brokerage here in the United States and simply buy an ETF or some sort of instrument that gives me the same uh, return or loss, but goes through that system for a fee, or do I actually buy it on my own? So that's why I'm going through this process. I want to understand the inefficiencies, at least at, at this point. So that, that's why I went ahead and I did this. But the whole blockchain, I think, is fascinating. And its impact on real estate, especially in South Florida, um, and condos, I think, could uh, really be um, yeah. really be interesting. Uh, J- yeah. John, walk us, what, what, kind of what, give us your forecast. Here we are, twenty twenty one. Everybody's been on lockdown for uh, close to a year. We're ordering stuff at home. We're not going in the shops anymore. Or at least nowhere close to where we used to be. Um, what has that done for blockchain? What has that done for the uh, acceptance of it? And what do you forecast, especially as we come out of the pandemic? How blockchain is going to be a part of our integral part of our life? whether we know it or not going forward. Yeah, I mean, the pandemic's been a boost for, for blockchain technology. Um, for, for one, people sitting at home have had more time to sort of surf and, and research things on their, on their computers, um, you know. So they they're are also have had more time to get into... Uh, speculating on cryptocurrencies. So that's one of the reasons there's been a, a, a great increase in the number of people that are now buying cryptocurrencies as speculation. College students, yep. you know, people in people, the, the over 70s, all, all spectrums are, are using this as a speculation, which, as I say, is a bit like a casino type of speculation, to be honest. Yep. Um, they don't. A lot, a lot of people don't know what they're buying. They don't know any of the technology. They just know, oh, it went up yesterday, so it might go up tomorrow. You know, um, so it's been, it's been, it's in, in, in increased that. Um, but also the fact that we are getting more and more online. Uh, there's going to be less. Uh, people are going to get used to doing transactions from their home, and so. Um, not wanting to go into an office to meet somebody behind a desk, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that all that all plays into the whole, you know, use of automation. I think, um, you know, just something like using Zoom or Teams for for meetings is a type of technology that people had to get used to using, and 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 we're moving one step closer to the what's called the internet of things where everything starts being connected your your refrigerator your car your your mobile phone and um it's all going to be sort of talking to each other and blockchain technology is going to be one component of that got it got it got it and john john final, final thought um 20 years ago there was a company called peapod Peacod, peapod's pr- approach uh, to the internet was we're going to go ahead we're going to we're going to shop for all your groceries and we're going to bring them to your place for a fee. And everybody thought that was batshit crazy. But yeah. at the time we didn't have the smartphone the way no. it is today, which again no. came in 2009. Peapod was around in 2000. 
or so now ordering your groceries and having them delivered using your smartphone really sort of seems like it's something very interesting. So I guess my question, my, my, this is my final, final question is be the smartphone. Is that going to enable us to maybe process this stuff much quicker than maybe we did 20 years ago when you had Peapod and they had a great idea, but they were simply way too early to market. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you, I mean, if I get your question right, um, the phone, the, the phone, the, does the phone accelerate things this time for, because of, for blockchain rather than last time when we didn't have the smartphone? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, for sure. There's the, the application. Yeah. So the fact you have apps on your phone yep. and, the, and these apps are becoming smarter and smarter. And there's the, some of the apps in the, in the backend database will be blockchain enabled. Right. But it'll mm-hmm. be an app on your phone. Got you, it. You, as I say, you don't know how this app is so smart that it can tell you, you know, the right time to buy a condo in Miami Beach. And, it, and it's got like a graph and it's showing like ups and downs. And how is it calculating it? Well, it's like the advancing technology is where you, you, you're able to connect all these different sources of information and you know, people call it artificial intelligence as well. That's got something to do with it. But for artificial intelligence to work properly, it has to have easy, quick access to all the silos of information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah. Well, John, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, maybe they, they own a business or maybe mm. they want to hire you for consulting or um, yeah. anything like that. How, what do you recommend? How do they reach out to you? Yeah. And, um, and who should reach out and who shouldn't reach out? Yeah, um, well, we're not cryptocurrency. Uh, we're not a cryptocurrency business. We're not about advising for investments, definitely not. Um, and we're not really for helping people to buy cryptocurrencies. What what we are are um, a consultants for. Uh, right now, most of our work is is looking at business use cases that people have and trying to say if blockchain is the right technology to use to solve that business use case or that problem that you're having so your example with the condo association would be a, a good one we, we would go and talk to a group that represent condo associations in florida for example got it and 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 uh, and, and say you know this is something you could maybe build for fifty thousand dollars and actually improve the the way that condos can collect their their fees right yep so um, we're consultants in that space. So um, the training we do, our website is just simply blockchain-training.com. Blockchain, and train, uh, block blockchain dash or hyphen training.com. Okay. Yeah, and and um, we have a UK website as well. It get the dot com actually gets forwarded to the UK website, but don't worry, it's all, it's all seamless. Um, so you, you can look at that. There's training on there. But as I say, the most effective type of training we find is when we come into a, an organization for a half a day or a day and we just talk to them about some of their technology that they currently have, some of their, their processes, and we look to see how we can make it more efficient using some of this new technology. Because um, one of the things I did uh, before we got into blockchain was just about process improvement in general. And um, 
we we see there's a big there's a big um, you know connection synergy between what blockchain can do and process improvement in general, uh, making it easier, better, faster, and less expensive. Wow. Okay. Fantastic. And again, that's blockchain um, hyphen training.com. That's John Dennis. He's the founder and he's the lead consultant for blockchain services. They're based in Newcastle. He used to live in Miami. He was a real estate investor. He is a tech guy at heart. And um, John, I can't thank you enough. This has been a fascinating conversation. I will tell you my, uh, my Bitcoin that I paid $20 for and they charged me 29. It's now up to 1950. So I'm coming back, boy. I'm coming back. (laughs) Anybody wants to read, anybody wants to reach out to John, go ahead and do so. I can't uh, vouch for him enough. Um, I'm Peter Zalewski. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you're not yet a subscriber, please go ahead and do so wherever you're listening to podcasts. If you like what we're doing, leave us a rating as well as some comments. More ratings we get, uh, the more comments we get, the more our message is going to spread and help us to accomplish our mission, which is bringing straight talk to an overhyped South Florida real estate market. And then finally, if you have any comments for me, uh, every Wednesday we read the comments that we received during our, uh, we received, we read it on our reporters roundtable to send a comment. Send it to inquiry at condovultures.com, I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. Hope everybody is safe, they're healthy, they get inoculated soon. Until next time, ciao, ciao. This is Peter Zalewski of the Condo Vultures podcast. Before I started doing these podcasts, I basically was in the business of being a licensed real estate broker, a contributing um, columnist for the Miami Herald, as well as the Miami Real Deal, but also expert witness work in consulting. So if you are looking for an expert witness or if you're looking for consulting services, a straight talk perspective as to what's going on in a particular marketplace, a building, or what happened previously for whatever your situation is, whether you are a, an attorney, whether you are an institutional fund looking to invest, or whether you're a lender who's trying to come up with some sort of a strategy and approach uh, for your lending committee going forward, I just might be able to help you. To get a hold of me, please uh, reach out to peter at condovultures.com. That's peter at condovultures.com. Or give me a call to the office at 305-865-5859, 305-865-5859.